What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Green Roads. And you know by now that DNVR is a huge supporter of CBD. And as a consumer, you must find the product that works best for you. And Green Roads has so many different products that you can try. They have CBD capsules, which can help with sleep. They have sleepy Z's, which definitely help with sleep. They have Relax Bears, which are CBD gummies and are delicious, by the way. CBD bath bombs, CBD soft gels, full spectrum oils for all of your needs. And Green Roads is the industry leader. They're their number one privately held CBD company in the U.S. by market share. They have award-winning products. They're pharmacist-founded, pharmacist-formulated. They have QR codes on all of their packaging, which link to independent lab test results so you can feel comfortable with every single product that you get. They have abundant selection of oils, topicals, edibles, beverages, and more. And here's the kicker. If you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off over at greenroads.com. So make sure to check out our friends over at Green Roads for all of your CBD needs and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two girls out to Zach Mace, okay, at the bar. Three for Mr. B. Couple with Breck, brew and a friend, bleed orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDNVR. We are DNVR. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday, a snowy edition in the Mile High City. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver likes to get professors that have taught or that that have worked in the real world so they know exactly what you need to know. And we've had many people at DNVR take classes at MSU Denver, and that's what they say is just how how great of an experience they get, and they are prepared for the real world after. So make sure to check them out, MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? You know, I'm watching the snowfall. It's actually a perfect snowfall, Zach, because as of right now, it's not sticking to the roads, it's not sticking to the sidewalks. So (laughs) it looks beautiful and there's nothing for me to shovel. So this is spectacular. Looks great. (laughs) Looks great. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. It's going to be quite cold on the other side of this, but, uh, you know, it'll warm back up. It's Colorado. It's, it's going to be cold for about a day or two. And then it's going to be spring-like weather. It's going to be 79 degrees over the weekend. It's going to be lovely. Excuse the quality of my voice right now, but uh, it'll get better. <laughs> Another thing I was thinking about, Zach, this came up um, on a uh, on a sports writer's message board on, on which I occasionally post, and uh, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with everything that is looming over the Broncos right now because it asks it asked this question. 
what is the worst quarterback decision in the history of the Broncos franchise? I was talking about just all each NFL franchise that a bad quarterback decision. What do you think is the worst one the Broncos have made? Oh gosh. Paxton Lynch in the first round, right? You think you would think that, I mean, Tommy Maddox in the first round yeah. wasn't a good decision back in 1992. I would argue that uh, from Paxton Lynch uh, through Joe Flacco, it was bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. You could argue the most impactful decision was taking Brock Osweiler over Russell Wilson, also over Kirk Cousins back in 2012. Just as long as the worst decision isn't coming up here in the next few weeks. (laughs) Oh, gosh, you're absolutely right. Yes, I I hope not. Now, the the of course, the thing is. The Broncos could make a decision to not take a quarterback this year. We won't know for a while if that was a bad decision or not, but uh, in the immortal words of Rush, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Mm-hmm. So they're making a decision one way or the other. And, of course, it's relevant today because Justin Fields is working out and George Payton will be watching in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, the first big decision for George to make on these rookie quarterbacks was today attending not Mac Jones in Alabama's pro day, but going to Columbus, Ohio to see Justin Fields in person. Mace, how big of a deal is this? Well, it's one of those things where it could be a big deal, but uh, it's all if if George Payton is trying to put people off the sniff off, off the scent of where he's going. Perhaps it's a deception thing, but uh, I think that's kind of unlikely here that uh, he, that, that he would, that that he would intentionally say, well, if I don't go to Mac Jones's pro day, I'm trying to, uh, you know, get people off the sniff because they are going to talk to Mac Jones uh, maybe multiple times here uh, before the draft happens. So I don't think it's, it's that big of a deal. I do think it's, I do think it's interesting. Maybe it shows that uh, uh, they have a little more on Mac Jones. Of course, I would say in a normal year that uh, George Payton would have seen Mac Jones down at the senior bowl, but of course he was still settling into the Bronco job and he wasn't down there. The Broncos did have a contingent down in mobile at the practices. And maybe that has a little something to do with George Payton, not going that, there were multiple Broncos people who did see who, do, who did see Mac Jones a few months ago. They'll have a scout at the workout today. Mac Jones is somebody on which you already have a lot of data. And oh, by the way, if you want more information, just go to Jerry Judy. Just give Jerry a call and say, "Tell us about Mac. Uh, what's your experiences with Mac? Give us the give us the inside scoop." It may not be the inside scoop that uh, Bill Belichick gets from Nick Saban himself, but it's probably not bad. Yeah, probably it shouldn't be too bad. And Mace, what's interesting is Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith have both been asked in this pre-draft process who they prefer, Tua or Mac. And it's a terrible question, a very unfair question to ask these guys. But both of them said Mac. Now, maybe it's because they know that Tua is already on a team, doesn't need the draft help, so they're just trying to help out their guy, Mac. Or maybe they're saying, yeah, this Mac Jones guy is better than the, what, number five overall pick last year? And so that's that's interesting there. I wonder if Jerry would say the exact same thing as well. And so when trying to figure out how important this is, you're absolutely right, Mace. The Broncos have all the intel they need, really on both of these guys, even before today, because Justin Fields, was just in the college football playoffs. He's been a starter for for two years. 
Mac Jones was just in the college football playoffs. They have all the film on him. They've had all the scouts all over him. They're going to have a presence at Alabama's pro day as well. But so I it's personally, I don't want to make too big of a deal of it because really this is just seeing them in person. But Mace, we do know how important to George Payton seeing these guys in person is. And look no further than the Broncos quarterback coach, Mike Shula, just last week when he was on his way in the private jet to uh, to see BYU and Zach Wilson throw live. He said that probably every position coach would say they want to see their guy in person at pro days. Those are the words of Mike Shula right there. So their guy. So is this Mike? And, and we don't personally, we don't know if Mike Shula is at uh, at Ohio State or at Alabama. I'm sure we'll find out later today. But if he is with George Payton at Ohio State, well, then that could that could lead you to to say that okay, their guy could be uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, and actually, it's worth noting Albert Breer of uh, S- of SI.com is saying that Mike Shula is in Columbus today. Oh, there we go. There, there you we go. go. That's uh, that's very telling to, to me, mm-hmm. Mace, because when Mike Shula himself says, quote, probably every position coach would say they want to see their guy in person at these pro days. Mike Shula probably could have said, George, mm-hmm. you go to out Al- or you, you go to Ohio State. I'll go to Alabama. Instead, they're both mm-hmm. seeing Justin Fields. And what's so interesting about this, uh, Mace, is there's no questions with Mac Jones decision making or processing speed. We, we know that that he has all of that and accuracy as well. The thing is that that everyone wants to know about is just how strong his arm is. And you got to see his arm down at the senior bowl. The Broncos also had contingent there, but it wasn't George Payton. And that's that's a thing that you can tell in person is is just how quick uh, and how much velocity the ball has. We know Justin Fields has a strong enough arm. We're not going to find out about Justin Fields processing speed at pro days. So I, I find it very interesting. I think the Broncos could have learned more from being at Mac Jones's pro day than being at Justin Fields pro day because Justin Fields weaknesses and, and question marks aren't going to be put on display at the pro day. Mac Jones question mark of how strong his arm is. That's something you can gain even going up against air. Exactly. It's something you can gain, but I would argue this, that maybe in retrospect, the wise move would have been to, you know, find a way to have to, to have George Payton get down to mobile if only for a day, just, just to watch and see, because uh, the thing about that, Zach, is it was more illuminating because it was not inside a field house against air. It was against actual defenders in particular on one day, that was not conducive to throwing the football. And that was a, a very windy day where it was about 25 mile an hour sustained gusts down there at the uh, South Alabama stadium. And the thing that you got from that was Mac Jones. He's not a fastball picture. He's uh, going into the wind. He struggled at times. The ball, you know, the ball didn't have a lot of zip. You, you had him and Jamie Newman, who on my board is a day two guy. Jamie Newman throws a, you know, throws a fastball. He's got a Howard and it cuts through, cuts through the breeze, still getting downfield, even through, even through the wind and Mac Jones as it was fluttering a little bit. Then you turn around and go the other direction. You got, Hey, if you're, if you're going against the wind for half the game, you're going with the wind for half the game. All right. Jamie Newman didn't have anything off speed. The ball is sailing. It's going all over the place. Mac Jones with the wind, he's adjusting to how the breeze is going. He's dropping dimes all over the place. In an environment where it's it, it's tough to be on target. It's yeah, 
you can have trouble with the wind, but it's also, there's also something to going or against the wind, but there's also something to going with the wind as well that you have to do. And if you've only got the fastball, then you're not going to be able to make that adjustment. Mac Jones showed that he can, that he can deliver the off speed stuff. And, and and the thing that he did throughout the week was placement, timing, adjusting to the conditions. And these are, these are, these are things that, Unfortunately, it's kind of the missing piece of pro day because pretty much every team works out in their own bubble or their own field house. It's it is pristine, seventy degrees, no breeze, but the air conditioning. So, I would if if George Payton really wanted a, a scouting report on uh, Mac Jones, I could probably offer a better one than he would have gotten. <laughs> pro day anyway based on what i saw down in mobile <laughs> there we go i absolutely love it and so while everything today points to it being justin fields over yeah. mac jones for the broncos mace in that same conversation that that mm-hmm. mike shula said every position coach wants to see their guy in person yes. at pro days he also said uh when talking about what he's looking for in a quarterback here's what he said quote does he go to the right guy with the football number one does he get the ball there on time and does he get the ball there accurately? And then he said, if, if a quarterback can do those three things, it quote eliminates all other factors like measurables. So to me, Mace at the exact same time in the same interview where we find out that especially today with the information today that, you know, Justin Fields, this is a big day for Justin Fields. What he said about th- those three things that he looks for in a quarterback, that is Mac Jones to me. I mean, Mac Jones goes to goes to the right place with the football. He gets the ball there on time, and he gets the ball there accurately. It, Mike Shula did not say anything about, you know, he has to get it there super, super fast. He has to be able to make throws on the run. He has to be mobile. He didn't say any of those things. So, <laughs> I mean, the Broncos could just be throwing us for, for a massive smoke screen here by going to Ohio State, or they could believe that Justin Fields uh, is very accurate, which a lot of people believe he is, uh, that he does go to the to the right place with the football and that he does get the ball there on time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we are just, we are so looking for signs right now. Mm-hmm. We are so writing. This is tea leave reading season. And it's harder than it's been for the Broncos in a long time because of the unknown of George Payton going into this process for the first time, what does he, what, what does he want to do? Um, you know, I still, I still think Sam Darnold is the most likely outcome for this. Oh, killing me, but yes, I'm sorry. Probably right. I'm sorry. <laughs> probably st- still think Sam Darnold is the most likely outcome, but you don't put it past the Broncos to fall in love with, with a quarterback the, the qu- or, or multiple quarterbacks. And that's where I say multiple quarterbacks, uh, rather than just one quarterback, because let's say, for example, that they can't move up to four, that's not palatable. But then let's say that Cincinnati is amenable to moving down because they say, yeah, you know what, we're going to go tackle. And we feel pretty good that, you know, that either Rashawn Slater or Panay Sewell is going to be there at number nine. We'll move down four picks. If you sit there at five, then you guarantee yourself a quarterback, but you don't have a choice on it. You've got, you've got the fifth guy, you've the fifth guy of five. And are you okay with the fifth guy of five? If you are, then 
you make that deal. If mm-hmm. you say, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I've got to have, let's say, let's say it's Justin Fields. And you say, I got to have Justin Fields. Then you got to find a way to go to four. And that's, I think that that's part of what's at stake here. Now the 49ers by trading up to number three, um, the, what they are tacitly saying is that they are, that they are okay with Zach Wilson or Trey Lance in, in all likelihood or, or Mac Jones. A lot of, there's a lot of chat about Mac Jones. They're okay. They have three, they have three guys that they want. And one of them will be there. That's, mm-hmm. that's what moving up to three says is that, okay, three guys we want. One of them is going to be there when the jets moved up to three in 2018 tacitly, same thing. They go to three and uh, you know, they were, they're saying, all right, if one of these guys is there, we're going to take them. And mm-hmm. we're going to be fine with it. We're going to be happy with it. They were, you know, that sort of gave them the insurance in case uh, Sam Darnold uh, didn't fall. Darnold was, of course, their guy, as we would later, as we later learn. But if you, if if you're the Broncos, are you in a position where you you like one specific guy, or are you in a position where you say, okay, we'll take any of them. We we, we can build around any of them. If you say you can build around any of them, you pick. You try to get to five. Yep. And so Mace, we talked about come to you. We, we talked about the price a lot yesterday. But what's the difference between the price of moving up to four and moving up to five? I mean, what, what are we talking about? The difference in probably not a first round pick. Are we talking about the difference in giving up uh, an additional fourth round pick along with two first round picks as opposed to giving up a second round pick along with two first round picks? Yeah, realistically, that's kind of that's that's what you're talking about here is uh, that or it's possible that you do it for um straight up for your for the additional first round pick in 2022 of course so it's you move up four spots you give your 2022 first round pick and a player and maybe not even like a uh, not a bradley chubb type of player maybe mm-hmm. just a solid starter type of player we talking tim patrick po- possibly although i would think with tim patrick maybe you'd be throwing in uh, a, a round three pick at some point perhaps so you know, maybe to move up four spots, you're talking about uh, the, the 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 value cost being your 2022 one, a third or fourth round pick in Tim Patrick. And a 2022 first, right? Right. You know, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah, that what I'm you're basically saying, what's the cost to move up four slots? And right. so that's why even though you're giving up your ninth pick, I mean, effectively, you're you're going from nine to five. What's the what is what is the difference in that? What is making up what is making up that gap? And that's why you say, OK, it's 2022 round one. It's a it's a third round pick this year or a fourth round pick and it's a player and, and you'd probably rather do. And actually for, if you threw in Tim Patrick, I'd say probably that draft pick becomes a fourth rounder. So okay. that's, that I think is a pretty fair, it, it, that's a pretty fair trade it, on the draft value chart. It might come out a little bit against you, but as we've talked about, one thing we've seen in trades in the last several years when they're when you're talking about trading up to pick a quarterback in the first round, there is a premium that teams have been able to exact. And so that's why trading up to number four might reveal a price that's a little bit too rich for the Broncos' blood. Because it wouldn't be straight up what the draft value charts reveal. It would be involving a premium because you were going up to get the quarterback. And that's that's something that we have seen time and again. The court the QB premium bear itself out in these round one trades.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the benefit is, Mace, I don't think you'd have to give up too much more than that, even though that teams know that you want a quarterback. And the reason is because Cincinnati, if, if you went to five or Atlanta at four, if they're not going quarterback, which obviously Cincinnati's not going mm-hmm. quarterback, and Atlanta, I personally don't think is going quarterback, they can mm-hmm. probably get the exact same caliber of player at nine as they could at four or five, unless they want Kyle Pitts. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. there, there's not another tight end like him but if they want just pass catcher which includes Kyle Pitts well there's three other receivers that are elite in this draft in my opinion Devontae Smith Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase one of at least one of those guys is going to be there at nine and so if I'm the Falcons or or Bengals and I have my quarterback I'm not touching that and I can gain an additional first round pick plus maybe a starting wide receiver in Tim Patrick plus uh, a second third or fourth round pick on top of that are you kidding me I'm doing that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I am too. And uh, it, it, it's one of those things where it makes sense, but just because it makes sense doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, we've, learned, we've learned that over the years covering football, just dealing with life. I mean, we're just looking at the Houston Texans in the last year. Just because something makes sense doesn't mean it's going to, it's going to, come, to, going to come to pass. So just bring it back to Justin Fields real quickly, mm-hmm. Zach. What do you expect that teams will emerge emerge with today in the wake of Justin Fields' workout? I think they're going to say, holy cow, this guy can throw on the run. Mm-hmm. He has all of the tools. And, Mates, how often do players flop on their pro day? It does. I mean, they're in, yeah, they're in situations to win. And what do we know about Justin? We know that he's mobile. He's not, you know, a Lamar Jackson type of scrambler, mm-hmm. but we know he's very mobile to, to play in the NFL. Uh, we, we know that he is tough as nails. We're not going to really learn about the toughness today. And we know that that he has a very strong arm and he's accurate. So people are going to say, Holy cow, there is so much excitement, so much potential with this guy. And, and all we need to help with is making sure that he doesn't hold on to the ball too long. Yeah, it's interesting. You take a look at the, at the not including Trey Lance because he was uh, FCS. There isn't this data. But pro football focus has what they call adjusted completion percentage, which basically eliminates drops, eliminates throwaways, et cetera. The highest adjusted completion percentage among the four FBS level quarterbacks that are going to go in the top of the first round. The, the best one is Mac Jones, 84.2. Justin Fields is right behind Mac Jones at 80.8, ahead of Trevor, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, mm. and um, ahead of Zach Wilson. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, accurate. Mm-hmm. He's he is an accurate passer. I mean, really, I think today, I think the thing is you want to see kind of how he conducts himself. You want to see how he relates uh, with teammates, et cetera. Although there seem to be no questions about that. I think the other thing with Justin Fields, as much as today matters, I think what matters more for him is what happens when he gets in the interviews and he gets at the whiteboard, because I feel like that's going to kind of be the final piece of the puzzle to determining where he ends up slotting and whether he is somebody that uh, you, that you can work with. And of course it's going to be a little bit different because you're doing it over zoom rather than uh, traditionally like at the combine where you just get up in front of the board and start to uh, diagramming stuff and, re- and uh, you're kind of spitting back something that you heard 15 minutes ago. You're wanting, you're wanting to find out uh, what the guy's kind of mental processing ability is and uh, you know, whether he can retain information. But this is the, that's sort of the the piece that we're not going to see today that may end up being the most crucial aspect of Justin Fields. 
Now, what he can do today is maybe uh, encourage teams to take a second look if maybe they, they didn't have him uh, as high as some others. Maybe he shows something where you say, wow, or maybe you, you just kind of uh, get it. You, you talk to him for a few minutes and you get a pretty good feeling about the discussion with him. And uh, you say, OK, yeah, I, could, I want this guy uh, to be the quarterback of my team. But I think you, you would have had an idea of that from watching him at Ohio State, from watching him uh, the way he played in that playoff game against Clemson when he was hurt and battered and stayed out there and was and had really kind of the game of his of, of his life. Uh, the, th- the, the thing I would want to get to in terms of discussing with Justin Fields, I'd want to get to kind of what he took from the bad games. What do you take from Indiana? What do you take from Northwestern? You know, what did they show that maybe kind of uh, confounded him and Ohio State a little bit? Because uh, I think the Northwestern game in particular, if you took that out, Zach, I don't think we'd be talking about Justin Fields being QB four, maybe even QB five in this draft. I think it could be QB two. Yeah. I think that, I think uh, it was performances like that, that maybe raised some alarm bells, but at the same time with Zach Wilson, with all respect to coastal Carolina, Zach Wilson didn't have a challenge like the one Justin Fields faced in that Northwestern defense. Right. So of course we have a little more information on Justin than we do on Zach because he he had a higher quality of foe that he was facing on a week to week basis. And Mace, for for all the reasons you you laid out, I that's I love all five of these quarterbacks. And there's questions <laughs> with all of them, although very very yeah. few questions with Trevor Lawrence. But there's questions on all of them. And what this could come down to of the Broncos sending their big time contingent to Ohio State mm-hmm. is there's also a chance that they know everything they need to know about Mac Jones. They're not worried about his arm strength because they know it's good enough for them. But there's a lot more questions surrounding Justin Fields that they want to see in person. So it doesn't mean that they're off Mac Jones. It's just, it's interesting when you take it all together. And I think we've done a good job just breaking it all down. Uh, And in the end, Mace, we don't know. And that's, that's what the Broncos, uh, it seems like they're going first round quarterback because they haven't made any moves at the quarterback position. Uh, But we, we don't know what that move would be. And they speaking of making no moves at the quarterback position, there's some reports coming out from across the country that the Broncos, while they didn't land a quarterback in free agency, they went after one. Yeah, Ben Volan of the uh, Boston Globe a couple of days ago uh, wrote in a piece, quote, one league source said he was surprised that Mitchell Trubisky signed with the Bills because the Broncos showed interest, unquote. Now, you have uh, Mike Cliss and Benjamin Albright, uh, are kind of refuting that this morning as this as this nugget is gaining traction I, I would say this showed interest could mean a lot of things I think and could be misinterpreted I would see I would suggest that uh, with Mitchell Trubisky the degree of showing interest was maybe just a, a text or a, a phone call but nothing really more than that maybe something that went uh, that that went nowhere because if the Broncos were offering Trubisky a chance to compete for the job, something that isn't happening in Buffalo, and no people are saying, well, it just shows that uh, you'd rather work with Brian Dayball than Pat Shermer. There isn't a quarterback alive who, if they have the chance to compete for a job and a place that would probably offer more money because, of course, Buffalo only offered $2.5 million to Trubisky. Uh, I wouldn't say there isn't a quarterback alive, but there are very few that would say, yeah, I'm not going to take that chance to go compete for the job. 
I especially with the surrounding talent that I'm going to go, I'm going to go elsewhere and sit on the bench. Yeah. And I totally agree with you, Mace. And right after the Bills signed Mitchell Trubisky, I talked to a to a source who told me that the Broncos and here, here's what the, the words they use were, quote, not in on Trubisky. And to me, that says that there could have been interest initially that the Broncos could have called Mitchell Trubisky right when free agency opened and then backed off on that. And sure. Some people could interpret that as interest, but at the end, what that tells me is the Broncos weren't negotiating with the bills and fighting the bills for Mitchell Trubisky. And then if you take a step back, Mace, what you said about the contract and everything, it all of that stuff leads it to that the Broncos didn't get outbid by the Bills. It's not like he got $15 million. He got $2.5 million for one year to be a backup and have no chance at starting. So to me, that's what it, it says is the Broncos – probably put a call into Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. and, and just saw if he was interested at all. I'd be shocked if he wasn't interested, but maybe the Broncos said, okay, we'll give you uh, you know, two and a half million dollars. He said two and a half million. Are you kidding me? And then over the next 48 hours, he found out that, you know, two and a half million was his price tag. And the Broncos just weren't in on him anymore when mm-hmm. that came down, because remember he was signed, what? F- 48, 72 hours after free agency started. So there was some time there. So that's what I would make of that. Uh, because Mace, not, not only did, did my source say that, but also, I mean, it would be kind of crazy for Mitchell Trubisky to turn down any offer the Broncos made him, assuming that it was at least two and a half million dollars, which I would assume it would be at least two and a half million dollars. And also the chance to start because Denver Buffalo offers no chance to start Denver maybe offers the greatest chance of any free agent quarterback to start. Well, I think the thing that is in play and one thing that we do know about the Broncos quarterback moves, search lack of moves in this off season is that cost matters. So when Andy Dalton, for example, reached $10 million, that's the type of cost the Broncos weren't willing to pay. Now I think uh, the number that, uh, that they would be have they would have been willing to to reach uh, would have basically would have basically been about 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 four and a half to five million and the reason why I say that is uh, that that is what is what is left on Sam Darnold that that's going to be the cap number for Sam Darnold if you trade for him uh, Nick Foles is going to be a bit less than that if you trade for him uh, that's the point the Broncos I think would have been willing to reach so I think it, if Mitchell Trubisky had been their guy. That's the point they would have gotten to. And so I don't think this was going to be a, a money thing. I, I think it was just a, a lack of interest thinking. I think part of it is, you know, Vic Fangio knows Mitchell Trubisky, knew all the good, knew the good and the bad, and didn't really see that as the direction in which he, wa- he wanted to go. I think, uh, you know, for example, if you're, if you're Vic Fangio and, and George Payton stepping back and looking at it, if it's not Darnold, what if it's Gardner Minshew? Gardner Minshew, you can argue, is at least as productive as Mitchell Trubisky and uh, for a fraction of the cost, even a fraction of the cost relative to what Trubisky is going to make now. So that mm-hmm. makes more sense in terms of your overall roster construction. This isn't a, this isn't a cash budget thing. This is a, we don't want to spend too, more than this amount on this position under the cap. And that's why uh, the, the, the kind of the shuffling of the deck cap wise for the Broncos isn't done yet. I think George Payton, I think he knows what he wants to spend on various positions over time, but 
he's not at the point where he's got the balance the way he wants it right now because he's still still dealing with some contracts. I don't think, for example, that uh, if George Payton were constructing a team, I don't think that you'd have a running back making $8 million. No, I don't think so either. I mean, heck, they weren't even will, willing to pay uh, um, right. Philip Lindsay $2.5 million. I think you might have a scenario, like maybe George Payton looks at it and says, maybe my running back room, I'm okay collectively being at say six to eight million dollars and i've got one veteran like my like mike boone that i bring in and as a special teamer as well and then i've got a couple of guys on their first contracts but i think uh, you also look at it and, and say okay well, what can we get out of this year and what can we get out of next year with melvin gordon you might as well just get the value out of him this year on that deal and then you're poised to go in another direction and get the running back position normalized relative to your cap in 2022 and beyond. So I think uh, these are things that are in play, like the overall roster construction. And don't forget, I know people maybe start moaning, maybe may start moaning here about the Broncos if they don't spend much more and saying, oh, they've got all this cap room. They're going to need that cap room next year, carrying it over because Mm -hmm. of of contracts that are coming up. So don't sit there and say, well, uh, they're not spending this. I I can, look, I can hear the complaints already because I've been around this market a long time and so have you. And you know which people are going to be complaining about it. But just because they have cap space doesn't mean they don't intend to spend it at some point. It's just that that will help next year when price tags are going to go up for guys as revenues bounce back. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, Mace, you could sign guys to contract extensions this summer during right. training camp during the season. And as we've talked about, there's some big names out there, Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, uh, and more coming up as well. So uh, yeah, the Broncos aren't going to spend the remaining uh, cap unless they give a crazy amount of money to players that don't deserve a crazy amount of money because all the big time players are pretty much gone. Or you can even think of it this way as well. Let's say they trade for Sam Darnold. And Darnold balls out. Ball just does great. Shows he's the guy. Then all of a sudden you're going to need some room to go pay Sam Darnold. I mean, if, if Sam Darnold comes in as spectacular or in your word, word magnificent, <laughs> at minimum, Zach, it's going to be $28 million on your cap because that's the franchise tag for 2022. Because uh, I think one thing we do know, know about Sam Darnold is that you're not going to see a team that chooses to pick up the fifth year option on Sam Darnold. And that would, that would still be in play if a team traded for Sam Darnold, because he's still on that rookie contract, that new team would inherit the fifth year option. The fifth year option for Sam Darnold, according to over the cap right now would be over $18 million. I don't think anybody's taking that. Probably not. Probably unless they're trading, you know, a high second or a first round pick for him. And remember you can't rescind the fifth-year option it used to be you could rescind it for any reason other than injury. That's off the table with new CBA. You give that fifth-year option, boom, you've made the commitment. If the, if the Broncos get pick up the fifth-year op- option on Bradley Chubb this May, they have made that commitment for him for 2022. He's locked in. Nothing you can do. Yep, you're you're exactly right. Oh man, just more quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks for the next Ugh. three or four weeks. And heck, maybe it continues if the Broncos don't go for a Justin Fields and Mac Jones. But I do like that George Payton and Mike Shula are somewhere and that they are uh-huh. at one of these quarterbacks pro days. Still just a little disappointed that that they weren't there a week ago when Alabama had their first pro day. But now 
Mace in person. They've seen Zach Wilson. They've seen Trey Lance. They've seen Justin Fields. Yeah, and don't forget with Mike Shula, where did he go to school and where was he a college head coach? Alabama. Exactly. So <laughs> Mike Shula probably Mike Shula has very good information on Mac Jones as well, even though uh, he was point. part of a previous staff. He's he's still very well connected uh, with the Alabama program and uh, certainly has all the information that he needs from watching him and uh, talking to people as well. The Broncos aren't going to be caught short on what they have on Mac Jones. Yeah, that that's a really, really good point, Mason. Last night, Mace, I was so pleasantly caught off guard that there was college basketball. There was March Madness on the TV last night, and we get it again. So what I did, because I just totally forgot about Monday night March Madness since it's new this year, I flipped open my DraftKings Sportsbook, got in on all the action last night and tonight, put a little teaser together, so I'm locked in for tonight as well. And DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're putting all new customers in the center of the action. So if you want to get in on the action just like I did yesterday, here's how you can turn $1 into $100. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. And all it takes is a $1 bet and that team to win their next game. And if they do, boom, your $1 just turned into $100. And of course, DraftKings Sportsbook has great daily odds boost every single night. I just can't believe how their odds boost they have are every single night on basketball ball, hockey, golf, anything you want to get on. They have odds boost for that. There's DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the app store now, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choice pulls off the dub. That's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only, only DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 I have two questions for you, Zach. First of all, with Alabama out, who are you writing here in the rest of March Madness? Man, Baylor looks so good last night. But, I mean, just the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite Mm -hmm. is Gonzaga. I want to see those two square off in the finals and see what that game is like. Although, I got to say, this Pac-12 is very interesting. It's very interesting. I'm... I'm intrigued by Houston, even though obviously they haven't played a, a high seed just yet. But uh, I'm intrigued by Houston and the way they are at the defensive end, especially. I, I thought their performance against Syracuse in the Sweet 16 was as impressive on the defensive end as we've seen in this tournament. The way that all of a sudden Buddy Beheim, who can be lights out if you give him a look, was dealing with contested shots every time he put the ball up. So it's an old Southwest Conference uh, reunion there, Baylor and Houston together in the, in the final four. But Gonzaga is my pick. The other question I have, it's not endemic to this year's tournament, is if DU and Alabama ever played in the NCAA tournament, who would you root for? Oh, my goodness. That is a great point. I've never thought about DU ever playing Alabama, ever. I'd be happy whichever Crimson team won. Yeah, yeah, that's. Crimson and white versus crimson and gold. <laughs> yep. Oh. I have to watch it at uh, crimson and gold, which is uh, a bar in DU. Right. Of course, it would be nice if the crimson and gold ever made an NCAA tournament. They're still looking for their first division one basketball tournament. Up yeah. Here. Still looking for a head coach to, to get them there. Oh, they, they didn't. Uh, I thought they hired. I thought they hired somebody. They did. They did. I'm just saying they're, they're going through head coaches. They can't oh. find the right one. 
Yeah. And, and they've tried, they got a Jeff Wolbron is the new DU uh, men's men's basketball coach, of course, replacing, uh, replacing Rodney Billups and uh, hit and, he was, I believe, on the Stanford staff, right? He was an assistant coach at Stanford. I believe so, yep. So come on, Jeff. Lead us yeah. to the promised land. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Some There are some who believe that DU basketball is one of the impossible jobs in Division One. Yeah, but it makes sense. I would, it, it would, but at the same time, think about what DU did in lacrosse. Yeah. It, if DU puts the resources into something, they'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, put, one of the best did. programs in lacrosse and hockey, mm-hmm. put the resources into basketball, see where it goes, of course. And who knows, maybe the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, if they were able to figure out basketball would be being in a more appropriate conference than the summit league. Oh, please Siri, get, get me out of there. You guys need, you guys need to be in the West coast conference. That's what, uh, that that's where DU in the belongs. Right direction. Yes. Uh, you, you guys should be in the West coast conference, like a lot of like-minded institutions. Anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the DU thread Jack of this, uh, of this podcast here. Well, I'll tell you about Gabby insurance because I know you're looking for a way to save money. We're all looking for ways to save money. So how would you like to keep an extra $961 in your pocket? Woo. That's how much Gabby and customers save per year on average on car and home insurance. You know, lots of members of the staff put their policies to the test and turned to Gabby. And when they did, Gabby saved them hundreds of dollars. Gabby is spelled G-A-B-I, which literally stands for get a better insurance. Isn't that cool? Getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same insurance coverage. I mean, I didn't know this thing existed, but I've been impressed by it since I learned about it. They're the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers, including big names like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers, all in one place. What you do is use your current insurance information to get started, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and it's free to use. It, Like I said, takes minutes to do, and... Like I said, $961 saved on average. Now, that being said, that's an average. Maybe you'll find out you've got the best insurance already in place for you. Maybe you'll find out that your plan is the most cost-effective one. And if that's the case, you know what? You'll sleep well knowing that you've got the the cheapest, most effective plan for you, the one that puts the most money in your pocket. But the odds are pretty good that if you go with Gabby, that's G-A-B-I.com, you're going to find out that, you could save a lot more. So check out Gabby.com slash DNVR. Don't forget that DNVR. That's Gabby.com slash DNVR. Because if you use that URL, Gabby.com slash DNVR, they'll know that we sent you. So check out our, our friends over at Gabby Insurance and get a better insurance with Gabby.com slash DNVR. And also make sure to check out us over at the dnvr.com we'd really 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 appreciate if you became part of our family and not only does it support us what with us doing this podcast for free it really supports us but there's many perks for you as well going over to the dnvr.com and subscribing you get access to a members only discord where you can talk about any single sport with so many people around the world you also get to read all of our content broncos nuggets rockies abs buffs uh Colorado XOs and of course the Rams you get a free DNVR shirt with the annual membership and you get to choose the shirt too you can have any of the new ones 
You could probably even get a little vintage Philip Lindsay shirt if you want to. And when you're at the DNVR bar, you get a 16 or 22 ounce beer for this, for the price of a 16 ounce beer. You get the chance to jump on red zone with us during three ring circus. And for the next couple hundred members, if you sign up and become an annual DNVR member, you will not only get all of those things, but we'll throw in a free recovery holistic stick from holistic wellness. And you say, what's that? Well, holistic wellness is all about CBD and of course, you know, we're all about CBD and the recovery stick will send you packs 10 milligrams of CBD. And this one is focused on recovery. All you do is pop the top, pour it in your drink, stir, and it helps you recover with that CBD. And they're also offering 30% off using the magical code DNVR30 over at Holistic Wellness to try out any of their products. So give them a shout or check them out too at holisticwellness.com. That's H-O-L-I-S-T-I wellness.com and use that code DNVR30. And of course, please become part of our family. When you do, leave a comment in the comment section introducing yourself so we can get to know you. And may speak into the comment section, let's jump in. Yes, let's get started. And the first one up here is, oh, shoot. And of course, I accidentally clicked on uh, the Avalanche podcast. <laughs> Count Locula kicks us off, who says, this is a shout out to my dog, Orange and Brew, over there in the greatest country on the earth. We met through our DNVR interactions and have since become international homies. DNVR is truly a place to meet sweet folks that you would otherwise never even know existed. He has a dope Broncos man cave and a contagious laugh, and he is one of the few people on the planet that seems to like my strange art. Shlanta Math, I, I, I hope I pronounced that one right. I, my half i know it's probably gaelic or, or something but uh it looks like something out of the klingon language love the count <laughs> it, it certainly does and man shout out to orange and brew and to the count man it is so cool we've seen many many friendships come about just from people meeting uh, and and some of them have never met in person i know we have a, a friendship uh where people met at the draft in tennessee a couple of years ago and now we have this one i absolutely love it and that's just shows you how strong our community is is it crazy to say that someday there's going to be a DNVR marriage? Oh, yes. Yes. That's not crazy to say at all. That'll certainly happen. Maybe even take place at the DNVR bar. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> it would be. May happen sooner than we think, too. Maybe, maybe a pleasure horse can uh, play the music <laughs> yes. that accompanies it. Oh, uh, they just, they turn out jam after jam. So I trust them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's. That's life. It's pretty cool. The DNVR circle of life. <laughs> Windy City Bronco says, if we can't get our guy in the draft, would it make sense to bring in both Darnold and Minshew? It seems like having more quarterbacks and more competition improves the odds that we find a diamond in the rough. I love the concept of it, but I wonder how practical it is. Would they be able to get enough snaps in camp to justify it? Well, you'd have to get creative. I remember... Um, at least one year, Mike Shanahan during OTAs. And look, there may not be OTAs this year, although I suspect they're going to find a way to have a couple of weeks of OTAs. I'd say probably the magic uh, date to keep in mind uh, might be June 14th uh, for anything starting to happen in that in, in terms of in-person stuff. But Mike Shanahan divided the team between two fields and had them running at the same time. So he could 
get more reps in the same amount of time. He'd watch one set of players on one field, then he'd go back and watch the film of the other guys on the other field. And if you did do something audacious like this, and I think that would be a way to make sure everybody got enough snaps, at least during, during OTAs, probably in training camp, you'd have to go about it in a more traditional manner. The other thing that you're concerned about here is uh, uh, with the quarterback position, how do you go about it from day to day once you get to training camp? Is it, uh, is it clearly Drew Locke one, one of the other guys two, one of the other guys three, or are you saying, it's a competition. We're going to move guys around. So day one training camp, it goes lock, Darnold, Minshew. Day two of training camp, it goes Darnold, Minshew, lock. Day three of training camp, it goes Minshew, lock, Darnold. You're moving guy, you know, moving him up and down the depth chart. So this sounds like heaven to us, Mace, covering yes. it. This sounds oh, like my. an absolute nightmare for the coaching staff, not just figuring yeah. out all of the logistics, but also this would be really, really tough on the team. Yeah. And, and don't forget, another thing to consider, Zach, is going to a 17th regular season game means one fewer preseason game than you would yeah. ordinarily have. Mm-hmm. And that is probably going to be confirmed here in the next 24 to 36 hours. The NFL is going to 17 games. Uh, there's, there's talk about the Super Bowl being a week later. Yeah, to keep that by, to keep that by week and the regular season ending a week later. So week seventeen would be in January. Hey, every year everybody get makes it to January. Yay! <laughs> We're gonna year. have to start talking about February football. Yeah. Everybody's a winner. Well, guess what? There most years on the calendar, Zach. There is the possibility that the Super Bowl will be on President's Day weekend. Yep. Think about that. So. Most of America gets a day off after Super Sunday, which is what, frankly, I've been kind of hoping for. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl and President's Day weekend where it's on Sunday and then the next Monday, you, the next day you can sleep it off. I mean, not for us because we're going to be busy working. I think the, the only real negative of this, uh, uh, Zach, is um, uh, usually I have uh, made a point of trying to uh, be off on the, the week of my, uh, my wife's birthday. And... Um, that would now be Super Bowl week. Oh, so in in normal in normal years, kind of based on 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 how I budget things and uh, on the radio side as well. In normal years, my plan is my plan is to be at the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and just basically kind of go and talk to all the Broncos that are hanging around in Radio Row that week. Yeah. And usually, I don't stay for the game. I just go to I just go do radio stuff, and and then obviously, you know podcast crank up the crank crank it up and do it right there you know from radio row and that's and talk to guys and and bring them on here as well but uh that's gonna but usually uh then i'd take a vacation week my wife always takes off the week of her birthday and i think to myself well i i hope you like a, a week in uh la around this, this <laughs> radio around me working radio row that week if you oh, really no. want to pull this off here Oh um, no! You got to start getting creative now. Start planting the seeds. Well, at least the Super Bowls are usually in cool places. I mean, so I mean, you know, I don't think LA would be a hard sell. Um, no, just hopefully no more Minnesota Super Bowls. You know what though? They did a really good job with that. That was actually one of the most fun weeks that I've had. And I love the the, the Minnesota Super Bowl, Zach. The cool thing was they centralized everything around the Mall of America. So you had right there, you had Radio Row in the food court. And people could just walk by and listen. It wasn't in a convention center. You had 
the team the team hotels were on other each side of the mall so you could go do a team media session then come back to radio row and do your do your thing actually from that from that specific part of it zach i thought it was the best week uh for a super bowl that i've experienced Wow, that's that's really cool. And yeah, I did hear the setup was really good, but amazing. Uh, good luck convincing uh, your wife to just hang out in a mall for her her birthday week. Hey, uh, <laughs> let's 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 go to Shake Shack. But hey, at least the Mall of America to Shake Shack. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I felt I felt like a sixty five year old that week because I did an awful lot of mall walking. I was going to say, actually, now that I now that I think of it, I think my girlfriend would love to hang out in a giant mall for a week. It just may not be good for the credit card. Yeah, well, and it's also I mean, that's the only mall where you could really get that level of enjoyment because, shoot, there is an amusement park right there in the middle of the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there is. <laughs> I mean, I remember uh, Ryan Edwards, Steve Atwater and I wandering over to the amusement park and uh, I rode a couple of rides right right there after. You know? <laughs> yeah, you have to. Oh, <laughs> I mean, man. it was it was an experience. It was it, that was fun. And uh, of course, one of the things I'll, there are two things I'll remember about that week in terms of the media, in terms of what I got media wise. Uh, number one, that was the week where we interviewed Von Miller. And Vaughn basically begged Kirk Cousins to come to the yes, Broncos. Yes, yes. And that made some news uh, right there on, on our air. And the, another thing was uh, learning from Kyle Turley that Steve Atwater produced a movie. Because he just said, you know, Steve and I did oh, a movie together. That's how like, you found out. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it was, a, it, it was another layer on on the beautiful onion that is the great steve atwater mm-hmm. yes it is oh anyway. the great the great steve atwater we'd love that, him <laughs> oh yes can't can't wait to uh you know hope, hopefully uh things are at a point where uh can go see him get inducted this summer i would say every, things are trending in that direction right now to be able to to, to see steve uh, go into the hall of fame that's gonna be pretty awesome it's gonna be so cool next one coming in from dtl hey guys so who is the best player in this draft excluding position value and has the best chance to be a hall of famer and why is it kyle pitts <laughs> well put <laughs> I can't, I can't really, I can't really say anything other than well done. Every word in that is, is valid. Well, Mace, he, I, he is I think there's, I think there's two guys and the first is obvious. It's the generational quarterback that we've been talking Oof. about being a generational quarterback for what, three years now. Well, and, and Trevor Lawrence has a fantastic shot, you know, in terms of shots right. of, you know, when, when guys come into the league, he has one of the best shots to be a hall of famer that really any quarterbacks had. I mean, you put him up there with the Peyton Mannings, the John Elways, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the Andrew Lux of the world and what three of, or two out of three of those guys are, are in the hall of fame. Uh, so he's, he's got a really good shot and just, it's so hard to not include him and even taking positional value uh, or excluding positional value. He's got to be in there. And the other one I would say, is Kyle Pitts because yeah. he's just leaps and bounds above better than any tight end in this draft and really any tight end in, in a long time. You know, the fun, it's funny to think about all these conversations we're having at quarterback uh, and not just here, but around the league and Trevor Lawrence is kind of forgotten because yeah. it's just been so fait accompli for months that he's going to be a Jaguar. I mean, basically there's no suspense there. And yet, all these quarterbacks, while they're intriguing for different reasons, 
Trevor Lawrence is still the horse to bet on to be the best quarterback from this class. And frankly, I think Trevor Lawrence's floor is being in the top dozen quarterbacks in the league. Incredible. Think about that for a moment that he's that his floor is that he's a pretty, he's a pretty good above average starter. He probably steps in Zach and takes the, and, and, is one of the top dozen quarterbacks in the league, probably on the low end of that to begin with, but that's just, but you know, don't, don't kid yourself on, on, on Trevor Lawrence with all these other guys. T law is, is a reason why he's clear cut number one in most eyes. And yet it's, he's not the story because there's so little suspense, but it's kind of fascinating. I can't recall a year uh, like this where you had a bunch of quarterbacks, but, the guy who was QB one actually has so little being said because there's no suspense there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great point, Mason. And that is just wild. And I agree with you, but it's wild that a rookie would come in and his floor being, you know, top 12 worst, just an average quarterback in the league. Why do you think urban Meyer chose this opportunity to to unretire? Because of Trevor. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's any other guy he'd be coming out of, retirement to go coach at this point. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. That's why it's such an appealing job. And even though urban Meyer doesn't have pro experience to he's to his credit, he has put together one hell of a staff down there, a coaching staff, obviously Uh, forget about the strength coach that they had to jettison because of uh, the dumb things that he said. But in terms of the foot, the position coaches, he's put together a tremendous uh, staff that certainly is a, a lot better than you would expect for, from a guy who's coming into the NFL for the first time. And going to Jacksonville, too, getting those guys down there. Very well, impressive. Jacksonville has appeal for a lot of guys. Jackson, it, it, I, I, we kind of joke about it because it's it's a small market. The only, you know, basically the only kind of smaller market that you see is is Green Bay. But if you're a golfer, it's one of the great golf markets in the country. It's in Florida, no state income tax. It's near the beach. I mean, I could think of a lot worse places to be than Jacksonville, Florida. Sure, sure, certainly. I can agree with that. Next one coming in from Beham Bronco. He says, thanks for making my day yesterday with the birthday shout out. Of course, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. Gotta let us know how it was. He says, if yeah. you guys could bring back one defensive and offensive player from any of the Super Bowl rosters to be on this year's team, who would it be and why? The answer on offense is probably pretty easy, PFM. And I would love to see the duo of Danny T and Alexander Johnson at inside linebacker. I could also see tripling down on corner or edge with Talib or D Ware. Thanks for the great content. So Mace, it's interesting. Beham Bronco just focuses on the Super Bowl 50 team, mm-hmm. yet his question left it open to any team. Do you agree with him that you would only be picking guys from the Super Bowl 50 team? Uh, I disagree. Okay. Because where, where are, are you going? Well, I mean, are we talking about what they did that season or what they did? Just player on that roster, what they did over their career? Because, I think th- what, yeah. what what I'm figuring from this yeah. is you take them on that Super Bowl that, that year. So Peyton okay. is, uh, you know, it, older and on the final leg of his career. Okay. In that case, then I'm not taking – I'm taking Peyton Manning 2013. Right. And with all respect to John Elway and – the other guy I'm taking is, um, but you, but you have to take him the Super Bowl year. Well, that's why I'm taking him in 2013, not 2015. 
Oh, I, I'm thinking Super Bowl championship year. Oh, no, no. Super Bowl rosters. I'm thinking you okay. see some of the guys that are named in the in the response okay. are guys like Dennis Smith, Lyle Alzado, Randy Gratishar. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah. And so if we're talking any Super Bowl team, mm. boy, I mean, before free agency, I think I would have taken because Champ Bailey in Super Bowl 48 wasn't Champ Bailey. Right. So I think before based on where this roster stood before free agency, I probably would have taken Louie Wright at corner to just give that room an immediate elite boost. Now the cornerback core is looking pretty good. The guy I'm taking is Randy Gratishaw. Yeah. And at, at, at linebacker and, uh, yeah. I, and I'm feeling pretty good now. The, another, you'd also think about maybe the defensive line. I mean, I think you feel pretty good about what you've got, about what you've got there. But if, if you're talking about a defensive lineman, I know Ozzie wants to stash in his comment mentions, uh, uh, Lyle Alzado. Of course he played for the 77 Broncos. Um, I'd think about a guy like Ruan Jones from Super Bowl 21 at that level, when he was a, a great defensive lineman, you think about maybe, a a Neil Smith from Super Bowl 32 and 30 and 33. But uh, with all respect to Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, Randy Gratishar, I think that's, that's the horse to ride on this one in terms of needs and what he would bring. And Oh, by the way, Randy Gratishar, he was the complete package, including being a coverage linebacker. One of my favorite Gratishar highlights is an interception that he makes in Seattle in 1978 and watch him get his toes inbounds right near the sideline with the, the grace of a great ballet dancer. Hmm. And that, that a play like that reminded you of just what kind of complete package Randy Gratishar was. He should have been in the hall of fame a long time ago, but I, I love watching old Gratishar clips. He, he is, uh, and he was a, a terrific player right up to the end of his career. Uh, he maybe not quite as great as he was in his prime uh, by the time he retired in 83, but uh, he could have gone on playing for a couple more years. And frankly, that probably would have put him in the hall of fame. And then for me, it, so it's easy. I think it's Peyton Manning at quarterback. That's Peyton Manning from 2013 and Gratishar from 77. What say you, Zach? It's the exact same. And, and my thinking was, uh, I mean, you don't get any better than Peyton Manning 2013. What some people may say is we'll have that Super Bowl go, but we are taking him from that entire year. And yes. it's the best year any quarterback has ever had. Plus the fact that he's Peyton Manning. So that one easy to me, although you're not going wrong. If you go John Elway from either of those Super Bowls uh, and then on defense base, you have to go Gratishar with this, the way this team is built, they don't need a cornerback. You know, I, I wanted to go Steve because he's, he's Steve Atwater. He's a hall of famer. It's hard to pass up hall of famers in this, but the Broncos are, are really strong at safety right now. If they didn't sign cream Jackson back, I'd probably be going Steve to to pair him with Justin Simmons. But this, the weakest part of your defense right now is your, your inside linebacker, although it's not bad, but uh, you could upgrade there big time. And Gratishar is, should be a hall of fame upgrade right there. And like you said, he did it all. So to me, it's easy. It, I'm sticking with you and, and going those two guys. In this fantasy world, and you drop Randy Gratishar in that defense, Zach, I think this will be the best defense in Bronco history. Ooh, and one of the, that's saying a lot since one of the defenses won them a Super Bowl. I know. And another is the orange crush, which is, you know, one of the great defenses in football history. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah. I, I think you'd be talking about uh, a defense that uh, 
kind of redefined what great defense was for the Broncos Man. relative to its era, of course. And maybe that's why they could go inside linebacker early in the draft is to try mm-hmm. to get their next Randy Gratishard in order to have that type of defense. Yep. Although oh, by, I wouldn't by, count on it. Yeah. By the way, the, uh, the pro day is now on from okay. Columbus, Ohio. Does Justin and, look amazing? Well, not, he doesn't look amazing. We haven't seen him yet, but one of the first shots that we saw was Panthers coach, Matt rule mm. talking with Ohio state coach, Ryan day. So, you know, it's a reminder that the Panthers are very much in the chat for moving up for a quarterback. Obviously I don't know if they can move up to four because of the Falcons, but, uh, and that being in the same division, but you know, if the Broncos like Justin Fields, they got, they're not going to be able to stand Pat and wait. Nope. And that's why the Broncos have such a big advantage on the Panthers is they can jump to four where I really don't think the Panthers can. Exactly. And that's something we, we definitely got into. Casper says, fellas, how likely is it that Denver is waiting to add a quarterback to compete with Locke until they see what happens at the draft? They might not want to trade for make sure Darnold and have one of the guys they like fall to nine and regret the trade. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great question. Um, I also think the value on Darnold is going to plummet after they take a quarterback at, at, at two. So I don't think any team should be too interested in trying to trade for Donald. If I'm the jets right now, I don't mind tipping my hat, trading Sam Darnold and having people know that I'm going to take the, the quarterback at number two, no one's jumping you to get your guy because the Jags aren't trading that number one overall pick. So I don't really understand what they're doing from a Broncos perspective. I'm totally okay with waiting until after the first round unfolds and then saying, and then picking up the phone and calling the Jags and saying, here's a third or or calling the jets and saying, here's a third round pick for Sam. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you, you say, okay, well, why do that? You do it now because it gives you kind of the security, but, um, you don't have to play a game right now. You don't have to play a game until September. So you can uh, let this, uh, let this play out. I, I think one of th- what we can say, I think with clarity is that by the time the draft ends, somebody else who can compete is going to be in that room. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to know who it is. We're going to know it. We're going to know if it's Sam Darnold or Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles. All the, all the, I really don't want that <laughs> no. nobody does <laughs> or justin fields or mac jones or trey lance or and and if we don't see any of those names we'll know it's going to be alex smith yeah yeah big exactly you're you're exactly right mace and uh and it, we'll know in a month from now pretty much the second round of the draft will be over in one month from today so second and third round so we should have a very good idea man we're yeah. coming up on it these conversations are easiest the ones beyond that they're going to be hard <laughs> yes manning's forehead says what's up my fellow hunks just got to write my first story covering college football i was in a press conference with asu wide receiver frank darby and some knucklehead asked him if he had spoken to the buccaneers and i thought of you guys roasting the people that asked that question i know better thanks to dnvr he says i've been my or i've beaten my fellow sports writers and 
page views for two straight weeks. So I got to shamelessly plug this story to make it three weeks in a row. That is awesome. And for anyone that wants to read his story, which, which seems like a very good story, I'm going to read it right after this pod. He left it in the comment section. And what you have to do is you have to scroll over the comments because for some reason, our links don't show up, but he did drop a link there in the comment section. You just have to highlight it and it'll pop up there and let's help out Manning's forehead. Yeah, that's kind of the one hitch in our design is the the invisible links. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very bizarre. But let, let's help you get it two weeks in a row. Amen. Boucher all day. What if the Broncos trade Jerry Judy and a third to Miami for the sixth overall pick since Miami seems to be looking for a wide receiver threat and Judy and Tua combo seems deadly? Then take the ninth overall and the sixth overall and trade to the Jets for number two overall. Would something like that work or would you have to give up your second on top of it? Either way, I'm doing it. And the best part is that it leaves next year's draft unscathed. Okay. So Mace, here's a, uh, here's a question for you. Do you think not the Broncos, but do you think teams view Jerry Judy as being the best receiver in this draft or would he not be the best receiver in this draft? As talented as he is, I don't believe they view him as the best receiver, even wide receiver too. And actually this is where kind of your long range scouting comes into play. As great a prospect as Jerry Judy was last year, I think most teams, most scouts would have told you that Jamar Chase of LSU was actually a better prospect mm. even a year ago. Yeah. And I think with the way Devontae Smith and mm -hmm. the talent of Jalen Waddell, that, yeah, I think you're right. Judy would be in the convert. He'd be in the conversation for the second best, uh, right. but third or, or potentially even fourth. So to, to why I asked you that Mace was because uh, Boucher all day. I don't think the Broncos are able to make that trade. Just sending Jerry Judy and a third for the sixth pick from Miami. I think Miami's going to say, we don't want a wide receiver that's been in the league and, and has showed uh, who he is. We want to, we want our own guy that has uh, potentially more potential. Right. And I, look, I think Jerry Judy has a lot of potential if he fixes the drop thing, but unfortunately because of the drops, his value is lower than it was at this time last year. And then the other thing that makes his value lower is he's one year into his contract. So that's one less, that's one fewer year of cost control on yeah. Jerry Judy. So Mace, what's the price to get from nine to six? Uh, nine to six, probably straight up your 2022 one. Yep, 2022 one and that ninth overall pick. And Boucher, you did not include the ninth right. overall pick. That That's why the trade isn't ninth and Jerry Judy to move to six. Yeah. He was just saying Jerry Judy to move to six. So you need to throw in a little more there. I mean, I would say that if we're talking about what Jerry Judy is the, is the equivalent of, I would say Jerry Judy is the equivalent of a late first round pick. Yeah. In terms of trade discussions. Yeah but not a mid first round pick. And, and certainly other teams look at the Broncos and they say, if they trade for the Broncos first round pick, they may be expecting that, that pick next year to be 10 or 12. I think we have better expectations, mm -hmm. but I don't know if other teams have better expectations for the Broncos than that. Ex so. Exactly. Yeah. I want to tell you about hassle cattle company, which of course equals that hassle free meat life. Brought you damn good beer, and now we deliver to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the entire country. Tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm from Texas, and they ship all over the USA straight to your door. And they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers you 
Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Frank's with no fillers, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. And here's how they do it. They take their registered bulls, breed them with Angus cows, and that gives you the very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head on over to HassleCattleCompany.com. It's H-A-S-S-E-L-L. CattleCompany.com. Use that magical code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. And guess what? If you get that order to $200, free shipping. So remember, DNVR10 for 10% off. And if you get to $200, you get free shipping. That's like getting basically another 10% off of your, of your order on top of that. You know what? You got room in your freezer. You're not going to eat that beef today, but put it in the freezer, stick it there. And you know what? You might be hard up trying to figure out what you're going to have that night. But if you've got some extra beef from Hassle Cattle Company in your freezer, you just say, oh, yeah, I've got a New York strip. I'll thaw that out, put that bad boy on the grill and be ready to go with a great meal. So check out HassleCattleCompany.com with the code DNVR10 for 10% off. And remember, you hit $200 on your order, you get free shipping. Guys, here's one of the things that CBD helps with that isn't talked about as much or as widely known that our friends over at Green Roads want you to know because they have so many products that can help with all of this is it really helps fitness. It helps keep you in peak condition. It helps maintain physical and mental well-being while you train. It helps maintain normal emotional balance was very important, for, especially for people that are training hard. And it helps support recovery from exercise, induce inflammation. And our friends over at Green Roads, like I said earlier, have so many different paths that you can take, whether it's CBD capsules, Sleepy Z's, Relax Bears, CBD bath bombs, CBD soft gels, full spectrum oil for anything that you could possibly need. They have it all. And they're the number one privately held CBD company in the U.S. by market share. Green Roads has over 30,000 five-star reviews, 30,000 perfect reviews. And if you use the magical code DNVR20, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. So if you want to start feeling better, sleeping better, then you need to try their products and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase over at greenroads.com. Of course, we talk about CBD a lot, of course, and uh, uh, not only is Green Roads a great product, but so is Strava Craft Coffee. And of course, Strava Craft Coffee and it is infused with CBD, and that'll help you with chronic headache, joint pains, IBS, and so much more. Well, Strava Craft Coffee's got something going on. If you like their product, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, which means you never have to buy coffee in the store again, and you're going to know that it's going to land on your doorstep reliably every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you prefer. And when you subscribe to this Strava Craft Coffee, you're going to get a 20% off discount every time immediately you subscribe it's always 20 percent off if you haven't had strava before no problem check it out with a 25 percent off code you may have used that code dnvr20 well now the code to remember that magical code is dnvr25 to get 25 percent off a one-time order of strava craft coffee and of course if you want to try it you're in the denver area check out the dnvr bar and check out Strava's incredible cold brew. It's on tap at the DNVR bar. Swing on in and try it sometime. You will not be disappointed. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. And remember, if you subscribe, 
you'll get 20% off every time. If you, if you haven't had it before, you want a one-time discount, use that magical code DNVR25 and get 25% off at Strava Craft Coffee. All right, Mace. Next one coming in from Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys, let's look at the New York football giants. It's been a bit of a low point for the Broncos, but there are a couple of barn burners. Both Kyle Orton and Peyton Manning dominated the teams in 2009 and 2013. The latter, of course, was the last Manning Bowl. The first half was great for fans of kickers. Denver came out of the locker room and dominated the second half. Trendon Holiday had a punt return for a touchdown. Julius Thomas, Noshawn Moreno, and Wes Welker all had touchdowns, and a 10-9 snooze fest turned into a 41 to 23 blowout. What was was this the best matchup in team history, or does something else top it? The Bucks history against the Blue Crew isn't much better, but there haven't been or but there have been absolute nail biters. Which one was your favorite, Mace? All right, I'll talk about the Bucks one first because uh I look back and one game jumps out and that's the game they played in 1997 Thanksgiving weekend bucks play at the giants. And at the time the bucks had never won a game where the temperature was below 50 degrees. Wow. That is wild. Well, I believe it was 45 degrees at giant stadium at the Meadowlands and uh, the bucks won 20 to eight. That's one that jumps out. You know, not a lot of success for the bucks over the years against the giants, but that's one that was a, pretty good day for a memorable 1997 team that got the bucks to the playoffs for the first time in 15 years broncos giants yeah that 2013 game that was a lot of fun even though it was a sad day for ryan clady of course because that was the day that uh, um he suffered a list frank injury and was lost for the season but the one that really is the most historically significant on the positive side for the broncos because you can look at the 98 game where the unbeaten season went up in flames at Giants Stadium, 20-16 loss, or Super Bowl 21. Those are days to forget. But on September 10th, 2001, of course, we all know what happened the next day, but that night, Invesco Field at Mile High hosted its first regular season game, Broncos-Giants 31-20, big result, but also just kind of like the 2013 game. A sad night individually for one Bronco. Of course, that was Ed McCaffrey suffering that horrific leg injury in the course of that game. He returned a year later, but as we know, he was never the same uh, after that injury. So that, that's the, the one that jumps out, even though the McCaffrey injury and then what happened the next day cast the pall on it. Of course, uh, we all know the story about how the Giants literally returned to Newark Airport, flew home after the game, and uh, – we're not too far away from one of the uh, the planes that uh, was involved in uh, the, the tragic events of September 11th of that year. Yeah, exactly. Mace, that, that was the game I was going to point to was for, you know, that, that, and uh, Ed McCaffrey as well and opening the stadium. Uh, but so I'll, I'll turn to, uh, to history going back the first four times, the Broncos and giants played. How many times did a team score over 20 points in four games? How many times did a team score over 20 points? One. <laughs> yep. It was the very first time they played the Giants, beat the Broncos 29 to 17. That was the only time any team scored over 20 points in the first four times. I mean, listen to these scores 29 17 Giants, Broncos win 14 13, Broncos win 14 to 9, and Giants win 19 to 16. I mean, talk about some snoozers. Yeah. And uh, they played a game. I think the 14 13 game was in 76 and the Broncos were on their way to a nine and five season, which at the time was the best in franchise history. But that was not a game that was a well-played game for the Broncos because the giants that year were terrible. 
I believe they were one and nine coming into that contest. Wow. The Broncos won that game, Zach, because of a failed extra point by, uh, by the Giants and uh, Joe Dinello. That, that was the difference in that game, 14 to 13. Jim Turner with two, was two for two, and Joe Dinello was one for two on PATs. And the Broncos escaped with an wow. unimpressive one point win. Oh, wow. How about that? Yep. That's some great history there. Next one coming in from Ozzy wants the stash. George Payton, our beloved Broncos, have a big advantage if we want to trade up for a quarterback. Falcons at four won't be trading with a division rival to allow them to take a potentially elite quarterback, so they won't be trading with the Carolina Panthers, who would love to move up. With number nine, we have the highest pick left in the teams that would like to upgrade a quarterback. You must have liked our podcast yesterday. So, let's get Minshew as a hedge, and if we can manage to move up we pick our quarterback trade lock for as much as we can and get Minshew to be our backup we'd like to get back in a trade for lock as we as as what we'd pay for Minshew if we can't trade up lock and Minshew compete for the role don't trade for Darnold though he has upside he's always turned the ball over which kills success FYI my mate is a 49ers fan and I told him how you guys read comments and reply he was blown away Great call, mates. One of the best pods I've ever listened to. Thank you so much, Ozzy wants the stash. That makes my day. Appreciate that. And uh, some some insightful stuff. Zach, it kind of leads me to ask you this question. If the Broncos draft a young quarterback, are they trading? Are they turning around and trading Drew Luck? If they have someone else there, if they have an Alex Smith, if they have a Gardner Minshew, yes. Because and, and that's what I was going to say when we were presented with the case of acquiring both Sam Darnold and Gardner Minshew. The Broncos can do that, but to me, it doesn't make sense to have a three-way quarterback competition. They would then have to get rid of, of Drew Locke. And he makes a great point saying that the Broncos can get back uh, just what they gave up to get Gardner Minshew. They can do that with Drew Locke, if not get a little bit more, because there's a chance the Broncos are trading uh, a fourth, a day three pick for Gardner Minshew. They'll be able to get that back for Drew. Yeah, and really, I think even though uh, Gardner Minshew is intriguing, his value has gone down in terms of what you have to give to get him because you already have the the Jaguars who um, have uh, signed C.J. Beathard. So they've got a guy who can back up Trevor Lawrence. By the way, I was just looking up at the uh, Pro Day coverage on NFL Network. Bill Belichick is watching Mac Jones. Yes, he is. And not just Bill, but you also have Josh McDaniels there taking it in. You can say that they may be locked in on Mac. Oh, boy. (laughs) But again, if the Broncos want to move up, they have a little more to work with than a team like the Patriots or a team like Washington. So, yeah, they certainly do be their advantage if they really Uh, want one of these guys. Another person who's there is John Lynch. He's not taking in Justin Fields pro day. He is taking in Mac Jones. Yep. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Although again, if they, if Mac Jones is their guy, why go all the way to three and give up that much? If, if you love him, you do it. But I I mean, I agree. You probably didn't have to do that. Yeah. But, uh, Oh, we'll see. We'll see. This is fun. Of course, remember, back in 2017, one of the things the 49ers did was uh, they gave the impression of heavy interest in Mitchell Trubisky. And what that allowed them to do 
was exact a, pr- a pretty steep price from the Bears for moving up one slot. So yeah, exactly. Uh oh, yes. Mac Jones just overthrew somebody. Oh sh! I don't want those updates. <laughs> <laughs> See, his arm isn't too weak. He's just throwing over the overthrowing guy, showing how strong his arm is. Oh my goodness! So oh, this is <laughs> uh, he's back to throw. It's downfield. It's oh, overthrown. Oh, no. no. Stop on, it. Stop it. I can't take this, Mace. Mac back to throw. Does does his cut. Quick cross. There we go. Ah, oh, he's back on track. Beautiful. He had me scared there for a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Next one coming in from LDJ says, hey, guys. So I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree. I don't want Trey Lance. I'd rather keep Drew if Trey is on the board at nine. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was wrong about Herbert. I can live with that. But Justin Fields is my guy. He screams Deshaun Watson, not in terms of skill set, but in terms of how he was drafted. I remember everybody overthinking Deshaun Watson during draft season. And somehow, some way he fell to 12 because of it. And everybody looks stupid because draft season made them overthink. I trade up for fields or take him at nine gladly, but I'm more than comfortable trading down, giving drew one more shot. My problem with drew is did Elway or Fangio with bringing in Shermer, give drew the best chance to succeed. Drew feels like Josh Allen to me. If Josh Allen was in Denver, he never would have became Josh Allen because this fan base and media market is so anxious to move on. And Josh has continuity. He didn't have the weapons drew had this year, but he had patience and continuity, but Denver would have never given him that in my opinion i actually i disagree with that um ldj and i i know that that that's a popular sentiment to say that you know broncos fans and, and media are so quick to move on from guys mace the reason why a lot of people are down on drew is he just led the league in interceptions uh and one thing that josh allen had while he didn't throw for 60 60 his first year in the league he had the ability to run and not just had the ability. He did that. He, he, what were his rushing stats that year? They were off the charts in terms of touchdowns, in terms of running. So he brought another element that Drew hasn't brought. So, uh, and also another thing with it, Josh Allen was a top 10 pick. Drew wasn't. So I, I do think that the Broncos would have given him maybe not, you know, the full three years, they, they would have given him two full years as, as the starter. I, I do think they would have given him three because he showed uh, another dimension that is pretty rare. Oh yeah. Josh Allen in his rookie season, Zach averaged 7.1 yards per attempt and ran for eight touchdowns. Oof, that in is year a two, huge his per, element. Yeah. His per carry average was down to 4.7, but he still ran for nine touchdowns. Yep. There so, we go. Uh, yeah, that is something that you have to to consider with Josh Allen when you're talking about the touchdown interception ratio instead of being 10 to 12 as it was with, with the rookie. Remember, they accounted for eight. He accounted for 18 touchdowns. And then in year two, he accounted for 29 touchdowns against nine picks. And that's the other thing go. is that from year one to year two, he improved in multiple metrics like completion percentage he went from 50, 52.8 as a rookie to 58.8 his second year his yards per attempt modest increase 6.5 to 6.7 his passer rating from year one to year two went up from 67.9 to 85.3 and his touchdown percentage went up his interception percentage went down and i think part of it is uh the tr- the, the season to season trend with drew lock isn't what you want it to be now he did play well at the end of the season, yes, but we also know that they kind of uh, 
they, they, they bottled things up a little bit and gave Drew things that more things that he could work with rather than throwing the whole kitchen sink at him everything or everything in the kitchen sink. What is going to happen as they kind of expand the concepts? Is Drew Locke going to be able to do well with them, or is he going to re- regress a little bit? And another thing that comes into play is when you play well late in seasons where the team is eliminated, is this a guy who's kind of like the September call-up in baseball? I think these are valid questions that Drew has to answer in year three. So what'd you say, Mace? 20, his second year, 29 total touchdowns to nine, or 28 to nine? 29 to nine. First year was 18 to 12. To and then the second year was 29 to nine. Yeah, you'll you'll take that any day of the week. But LDJ, I'm really happy that you said that because that's something that that I have wanted to talk about. And, and I totally see where you're coming on wanting to give Drew another year. I totally see that. He says, P.S. Shermer concerns me. Albright said there's a good chunk of people that think Drew can turn it around on that coaching staff. And there's some that don't. The problem is the ones that don't are really important on the coaching staff. I read the tea leaves. Somebody on that coaching staff didn't believe in Phil and somebody on that coaching staff has not been vocal in support of Drew this offense season i want drew to have continuity but Shermer concerns me mm, that's fair if he's not all in now um, it's funny uh i was uh i saw somebody i think it was i want to say it was nick kendall of mile high huddle uh posted a gif of um vic fangio being exasperated saying yeah vic doesn't like turnovers and i thought yeah i can think of somebody else who doesn't like things like that either and i found the uh, image of pat Shermer uh after a misfire deep by Drew Locke in week 17, kind of just putting his hands in the air in, the, oh, in, the, no. in his, in his seat in the press box. And you could see even beneath the mask that there was an, uh, there was an exasperated look that Pat Shermer had. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to put too much into it because it's human nature, but you know, Pat Shermer doesn't like turnovers and mistakes either. No, yeah, certainly not. And I think you can go even uh, even higher up the totem pole there yeah. in terms of who doesn't like that stuff. Justin Fields running the 40. What's it don't at? Have a time, don't have a time yet. But, uh, <laughs> Keep us <yeah>. updated. <laughs> he's, off, he's off and running, and now we're watching it in super slow Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I mean, you can start talking about those rippling biceps and all that. It looks like uh, one scout has him clocked at 444. And you know what? It's funny. We just got done talking about Josh Allen because for Justin Fields, the ability to take off and run and make things happen with his legs. Yeah. That is going to be a huge part of what he is while he's a young quarterback. Now with fields, I think it's a little bit like Russell Wilson in that, in that he's somebody who wants to win from the pocket. Josh Allen, the same way he wants to win from the pocket. But it's nice to have that tool in your in your box to be able to turn to because that can help because what that does is as you develop as a quarterback, it means that defenses have to think about something else and can't simply drop back and cover you. And that's and cover and and and, and focus on the past. And that I think is kind of if I have one concern about Mac Jones, it's that that teams can basically accept that he's not going to take off and run. And they'll drop into coverage. Whereas Justin Fields, you have to think about the fact that he's gonna they can take off and get 10 or 15 quick yards, just like you did with Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. Mason, hey, I'm not worried about Mac Jones. He's got that I know blazing four six speed. <laughs> I know you're not. I know you're good. I just I come back to that because 
in this day and age, I, that's never been more essential for a quarterback, especially a young one. Yep. And as we saw with Josh Allen, next yep. one coming in from Drew for QB. Hey guys, who's the one guy in Broncos history that you felt just never got their shot to prove themselves? One guy that comes to mind for me is Juwan Winfrey. I remember I went to the Hall of Fame game when the Broncos were playing and he scored the game winning touchdown and thought he'd be at least a solid receiver, but he never really played in the regular season. Ooh, that's a good one. And uh, the thing that happened with Juwan Winfrey, of course, is that it didn't help him at all that a year later they basically draft Juwan Winfrey 2.0 and Tyree Cleveland. Right. And, and all the injuries. I mean, it wasn't a surprise right. that he was an injured injury guy. That's why he went so late in the draft. And mm-hmm. shocker, it kept up with him. Yeah. I mean, it's the best ability is availability, right? And unfortunately, Juwan Winfrey did not have that going for him. Ooh, I'm trying to think. Just never got a shot to prove themselves. This is this is different, obviously, yeah. because Al Wilson got a chance to prove himself and prove that he's a darn good football player. But I would have loved to see what happened with Al Wilson's career. I think he would have been a Hall of Fame player if he didn't get hurt. I agree. I think uh, we we saw how great he could be, but. I do think that he would have been pushing for some significant honors. Certainly he would have been in the ring of fame long ago, mm-hmm. if not for that. In fact, I, that is a, that is an omission. I wish they would correct pronto. Steve Foley, Riley Odoms, Al Wilson, Trevor Price, Ed McCaffrey. Love it. Just get them all in. Yeah. I get them it. all in. They should, they should have been in the ring of fame a while Mm-hmm. that's my that, that's my soapbox but someone i'm trying to think of like someone who just kind of never got a never got a shot that's mm. um it's probably a lot of people saying tim tebow never got a fair shot well i'll say this the broncos had a guy on the offensive line who eventually had a really who eventually had a really good career good career and he briefly started for the Broncos, but they didn't keep him around. That was Eric Pears. And he, he eventually became a good starter for the Bills and the 49ers uh, over the course of his career. Another guy that I would say that they kept him around for a while, but didn't give him the look that he maybe deserved was Ben Garland. And Ben Garland, of course, you know, the Broncos had him out of Air Force. And uh, he was basically around the Broncos in some capacity. Uh, for for a few years when you're talking about him being on the practice squad etc garland goes on to atlanta and san francisco and san francisco last year he was starting and playing pretty well before he got hurt so i would have liked to have seen garland get a little more of a look it's hard to believe that garland turns 33 in a few days zach wow that is crazy time flies man (laughs) <laughs> yes it does yeah that that's a great one mace because he he bounced around the league and has proven to be a, a a very good addition to any locker room remember he got the safety in the playoffs yeah for the falcons when they had their super bowl run yeah very good very good next one coming in from the og aaron litvasky says hello gents a couple thoughts in regard to the draft if the top five quarterbacks are gone by nine my brother and i discussed how parsons could be still be the best pick for us with the leaders on the d do y'all believe they could rein in and mentor parsons to keep him straight and narrow i feel like parsons is definitely athletic but would he really fit into being that coverage backer most of the plays i see highlighted are him shooting gaps and making stops in the backfield would he be a middle backer or best suited as an edge rusher also between 
Saints are 10. Well, we'll start with Parsons really quick. Yeah. yeah, I think you hit it on the head, Aaron. I think he's best suited on the edge. And that's why it you can draft those guys in the later rounds and try to convert them. But you don't do that with the top 10 pick draft a guy and then try to it, take him where he's not his strength and put him. Yeah. And, and the other thing, of course, are, are the stuff is the stuff involving the hazing and all that. And yeah, the Broncos don't have the leaders that they had several years ago with Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware. And I think it's kind of it's kind of unfair to put that on them and say, okay, first round pick is this guy who's got these huge concerns and we need you to fix him no, and make sure he's on the straight and narrow. I, I don't think that's something that you want to do. And also, if George Payton is serious about changing the culture and getting it right, how does bringing in a guy in that uh, by all accounts was involved with some pretty vile hazing stuff? I'm I don't want to talk about it here because just you can go look it up if you want to. And some of it, some of it's really disgusting. I don't want anybody connected with that, even tangentially in my locker room. Yeah, I I've been told, Mace, that uh, not likely that we see inside yes. linebacker in, in the first round, just specifically at nine. And w- when you look at it on paper, it doesn't really make sense. Micah Parsons, best suit as an outside guy. You mentioned the character stuff. JOK probably profiles more as a safety. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zavin Collins, who's maybe a late first round guy, is is really profiles as an outside guy, too. So it just doesn't make sense this year. Yeah, I think you may see it on day two. Right. Um, a guy, I've, a guy I've talked about, I'd, I'd keep a, keep an eye on Chaz Surratt on day two at North Carolina. Now Surratt, I don't think is going to be ready to go as a rookie. He's still learning how to be a linebacker. All the tools has the, and certainly the intelligence to be the quarterback of the defense as well. And a high character guy, but uh, somebody who is a converted quarterback and is still really kind of getting the nuances of, of, of being a linebacker. I'd, that said, I'd love to see Chaz Surratt after a year working with Reggie Herring on the practice field. Yeah. I think uh, that's where teaching could make him into something special. I agree. I agree. Mace. He goes on and says, also between Sertan and Farley, who is your guy? I like all the attributes and experience with Sertan. Farley has a few questions with not playing for a year, as well as his recent surgery. I would rather have the guaranteed quality player over Farley, who could have potential bust in my eyes. Thanks, as always, OG MVP. I actually think Farley is a better fit for the Broncos and what they do defensively. Not that Sertan wouldn't be able to do fine, but uh, I think, remember, uh, Caleb Farley is a good fit for a lot of the same reasons that Kyle Fuller is a good scheme fit. And it goes back to the kind of teaching they had. They both played under Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. Uh, You have to do the the kind of things that you have to do there, even though they do a lot of man coverage. Uh, There are concepts that you execute there that you have to execute in Vic Fangio's scheme as well. And you're not playing. And also you need to be a smart corner to play for Vic Fangio and do well. And if you don't have that, that intelligence in the way you play the position, uh, you're not going to flourish on a Bud Foster. So it's good. It's a good training ground for what you have to experience with Vic Fangio. I like the fact that Farley could go play slot, can play boundary, can even go play safety. He's got the ability to do that as well. You can move him around. There's a lot you can do with Caleb Farley. And that's why for me, that plus the athleticism is why I have him a notch above Patrick Sertan. Yeah, and uh, Farley is the high upside, higher bust type of guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sertan is definitely more the sure thing, but Sertan can just straight up ball. So give me Patrick Sertan, although amazed if the Broncos were to get either of those guys or whatever team gets those guys, they're getting great players in either of them. Next one coming in from The Matrix. What's that, gentlemen? 
all roads lead to Justin Fields? <laughs> Maybe they do now with Shula and Shermer at Ohio State's Pro Day. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Macy would certainly we'll fit see. in the conversation of all roads lead to cost control quarterback drink, and it's not even 11. Yeah, and let's remember this. I mean, something that you have to consider in terms of overall team building is that Drew Locke only has two years of cost control left. What That's does it wild. look like, and, uh, where does, and where does he go from there? Whereas these guys in this year's draft, it's five years of cost control, four years on the rookie contract, another year on the fifth year option. Mm, yep, exactly. Man, that so, is so crazy. Only two years left to Drew. And really, if Drew balls out this year, this could be the final year of, of cost control because he could get paid after this year. Right, but do you want to pay him after one really good year? Probably not. And that is a good conversation we had, what, a week or two ago about when yeah. you end up paying him. And, uh, it, and, and it comes down to just how good he is this year. But it is crazy that he could get a big contract in one year. Cool. Right, and... Yeah. And the other thing to consider is I think Drew Locke is going to improve if he plays this year, but what's the level of the improvement? Is he, is he improving to a to an elite level or pushing toward that? Or is, does he improve to being in the middle tier, maybe on the lower end of the middle tier? If that's his improvement, that's not enough. No, yeah. I, I totally agree. Count Lockula says, how did I forget about the Chris Miller era? Mace, remind me of the circumstances surrounding this blip. Well, Chris Miller comes aboard in 1999. He plays actually the first Bronco game I ever covered was Broncos at Seahawks in the kingdom in 1999. Chris Miller was the starting quarterback wow. <laughs> filling in for Brian Greasy. And he had been out of the league for, I believe three years after his most uh, recent team had been with the Rams. Yep, exactly. he been with the Rams and 95 was the last time nine, he played before 99. Yep. And, concussions were what drove him out of the league the first time and concussions would drive him out of the league the second time he he did not play after the uh, after the 1999 season and because they can't they they bore them they they bore their ugly head for miller again in uh in 1999 when he was playing for the broncos miller i'm looking at a story right now that was written in uh in 2012 in the eugene register guard out in oregon he says that his concussion history dated back to a 1983 game with oregon state which was also the last scoreless tie in college football uh at, at the time and then uh and then it, and then it continued uh, through his time uh, in the NFL. And then, of course, he came back with the Broncos. And then uh, that was brief. And uh, that was it. He said it was a, a sixth concussion is what Chris Miller said. And he suffered that against the Raiders in 1999. A sixth concussion is what ended his career. Wow. Yeah, so, that's terrible. Yeah. That's, that's also crazy going, being off for three years and then coming back and playing in the NFL. Yeah. And actually making, making a pretty decent acquittal of himself. Uh, I thought, I, the thing I remember about uh, that game in, in 1999, when he took the Broncos uh, in, into Seattle, Seattle had a good team that year and ended up winning the uh, AFC West, although they collapsed down the stretch of that season. And, and Chris Miller, uh, Chris Miller brought them back. He had, I believe I'm looking at, going to look at his stats now, two touchdowns, one pick in that game, 99.2 rating. Uh, Bronco or 
or the Broncos fell behind 10, nothing brought them back to take a 17, 10 lead in the third quarter before Seattle made a late comeback at the end to win uh, 20 to 17. But uh, Chris Miller was the reason why they were in that game. How about that? Good old Chris Miller. Thanks for that uh, history lesson, Mace. Next one coming in from Sebastian Airbay. My boys, hope you had a marvelous Monday. Just had a quick question. ESPN released post-free agency power rankings and the Broncos are 27th. I thought we would have been at least in the top 23. So I was very surprised about that. Where would you rank the Broncos after everything that happened in free free agency? Thanks, guys. Have a terrific Tuesday. Much love, Sebastian. Um, Boy, this could actually probably be a good yeah. first segment topic, Sebastian. This, uh, this, this would be interesting, and that's why I think it's a good first subject because I'd have to go and really take a look at where all the teams right. stand. So essentially, goes our ranking. And what ESPN is saying is uh, the Broncos are a bottom five team. So what yeah, e- let's let's dive into that. What ESPN is saying is that their quarterback is still the same. Yeah. And that's what these power rankings from a national perspective are saying. Can you blame them? Yeah. The Broncos I, I haven't made a single move at quarterback, and not just everyone who's watched them knows that something needs to be made. Even if you want to give Drew Locke another year, you know that Jeff Driscoll at $2.5 million is not the right way to spend money. Mace, they haven't even cut him. They haven't made yeah. any move. So regardless of in, if you're in the Drew Locke uh, camp or not, it's the Broncos haven't improved the worst position in the league at the most important position in the league. Yeah, very exactly. And that, that unfortunately overrides everything at this point. Mace Broncos country is so close to taking off. If they get a first round quarterback or let's say drew lot comes out in the first four games this year and absolutely balls out. Broncos country is going to go nuts because of what this team could be with good quarterback play or great quarterback play or even average quarterback play. They're a playoff team. However, saying that if is the biggest if in all of sports. So that's why they're so close to taking off. But if they get, you know, bottom five quarterback play again, even with the good team around them, yeah, they're probably not going to be much better than, you know, bottom five, bottom 10 team. But I also look at this team and say, okay, they get Cortland Sutton back. They get Von Miller back. They get Jawan James back at right tackle. In addition to the moves they made in free agency, it's a team that across the board should be better, even if quarterback play is only a little bit better. It, that's why I see a season that between that, a, a, a schedule that is a little, that is more benign than last year's slate was. Your 17th game probably is going to be against Detroit at home, the way uh, everything is looking at this point. The quarterback play doesn't have to improve all that much for this team, I think, to be uh, to be nine and eight, 10 and seven. And Man. again, it, it could look like the 2017 Bills, the 2017 Jaguars, even last year's Bears with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles splitting time. Yeah, I, th- I think you need... You need average play at quarterback to make the playoffs. And you can occasionally make it with like top 20 play. So that would be close to bottom 10, but you you can't have, you can't lead the league in interceptions and expect to be a playoff team, even with a good team surrounding you. Yep. And finally, we got this from Oklahoma Bronco 58, just under the wire. Hey guys had a question regarding a comment on the 2022 QBs that I made. Why do you not like Rattler so much? He was a stud as a freshman. Unlike many OU quarterbacks coming out, experienced much more adversity with a worse team than Kyler Baker or Jalen ever did. 
Obviously, I'm a Rattler homer, much like Zach is with Mac Jones, but curious why you aren't too high on him. Well, there's the QB1 series that was on and that he was featured on. I didn't like, and this is just kind of a general perception. I didn't like the way he came across. I didn't like the way he was treating people on there. I just didn't like, I, I just didn't like the guy. Maybe he can grow from that, but I, I wasn't impressed with him as a person. And that's part, that's a huge part of a quarterback is, you know, it, is what you are and what your demeanor is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the kind of prickly person. I know I couldn't be a quarterback. I don't, I don't see uh, Spencer Rattler being a guy that uh, has the same leadership qualities and, and demeanor as say Justin Fields does. Yeah. Well, that's very, I mean, that you certainly have to take that into consideration yeah. when, when you're talking about a first round quarterback for sure. Uh, and what Oklahoma Bronco 58 probably sees is, you know, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions last year with the Sooners 67.5% completion. Uh, but there is more than just the stats, um, especially, especially when it comes to a first round quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's accurate. Like he's going to check all the measurable tools, but, uh, I mean, I look at like, like him compared with Sam Howell and, uh, you know, Sam, Sam Howell's a guy that I think came across better than Spencer Rattler. And the other thing with, you know, Sam Howell dealt with some adversity too. I mean, he dealt with guys dropping passes left and right at times. He dealt with a defense that uh, aside from Chas Surratt really couldn't stop anybody. And the thing that impressed me about, about Sam Howell was that he didn't point fingers. Yeah. He was supportive. He just kept, he kept right on going and, and put it on himself rather than it, clearly every, there were th- other things going askew, but that what, but he, he, he didn't act like that. And, yeah. th- and, and Sam Howell has the handling adversity, at least on field adversity test for me last year, in addition to what he did in terms of being able to, to have a nice deep ball, keep his eyes downfield, look very good pressure at feeling the rush all those things that i'm looking for i hope we're not talking about spencer rattler being a bronco in 2022 not because i'm against him uh right now but because mace if we're not talking about spencer rattler for the broncos it means either drew lock developed yeah. or they got one of these young guys whether it's in the draft or whether it's gardner Minshew, and they played well enough to for have us to stop having this conversation year after year because while it's fun it's way better for the broncos if we don't have to have this yeah, I reserve the right to uh, change my take on Spencer Rattler if I see a, a lot of evidence this year of him uh, maturing. Yes, uh, of course, Mays, absolutely. And before we get out of here, got to tell you guys about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. They haven't just been a longtime DNVR partner. They've been part of the family of DNVR for a long time. They support the bar, they support us, and we support them at DNVR. Not only does our big family support them, but if people that work at DNVR support them. In fact, Allie and Lindsay just had their wisdom teeth removed over at Green Mountain Dental, and the dentist called them personally to check up on them. That is the family type of care that they have over at Green Mountain Dental. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. So if you want a free Sonicare toothbrush, schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, something you're going to do at another dentist, but schedule it with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental and get hooked up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. And by the way, you can be surrounded by a great community, talk sports because they're diehard Broncos fans and Colorado sports fans and get a free Sonicare toothbrush 
polish in the process. So check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. We really, really appreciate it. And we love all of the comments that you give us and all of the support. Thank you guys so much for, for rolling with us. And Mace has one more thing before we get out of here. Daniel Jeremiah reporting Justin Fields' 40 time, 443. How about that speedy guy? And on that, Woo! we'll speed out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll be live on YouTube right around 930. Thank you all so much for all that's with us. Have a great Tuesday. Flying cotton 